This is Valley Edition. I'm Kathleen Schock. Clovis native Chris Colfer found fame as an actor on the hit show Glee and as a New York Times bestselling author of young adult novels. But this weekend, Colfer will come back to his roots, hosting and performing in a fundraiser for Good Company Players, the Fresno Theater Company, where he got a start. I spoke with Colfer about the event and what inspired his latest book. I'd like to talk about your latest book, A Tale of Sorcery, which mm. is it's the third installment in your A Tale of Magic series. But this book features your first out LGBT character. Why right. was why was this the moment and why was this the book? You know, when I first started writing my very first book, The Land of Stories, The Wishing Spell, so many people told me that I was wasting my time because the world wasn't ready to let their kids read a book written by an openly gay man. So I kind of took that to heart, unfortunately, and, and didn't include any LGBT characters in it initially. I knew which characters were gay, but I, I didn't really specify in the book itself. And I think basically just out, out of fear, I, I didn't want to add, you know, fuel to the fire if that, you know, that, that, sure. that was already against me. And then luckily that was all incorrect <laughs> and, and my books did really well. And, and I was really, uh, th- there are gay characters in, in the books. This one in A Tale of Sorcery is just the first one that's featured as, as heavily as, as he is. But uh, I also really just wanted to make sure I had a story worth telling in, in this world that deserved the, you know, the, the title of, of being the first featured openly gay character too. And I was supposed to explore the storyline in the second book of the series, but then a, a few other ideas came first and I had to postpone it to the third, but um, I'm glad I did that because now he, uh, he got to have his own, his, his own story. Absolutely. So while the character is out, you as an author avoid using the term gay in the book. Can you explain why that is? Uh, because in a lot of territories around the world, the minute that you use the word gay or lesbian or LGBT, um, the book instantly gets banned. So if you avoid using those terms and either come up with your own terms or write around using those terms, it's more likely for those books to get into the hands of the kids that actually need it the most. This series seems to be really inspired by current events, and Mm -hmm. and you use magic and witchcraft and sorcery as allegories for Mm -hmm. different forms of oppression and injustice. Can you talk about your use of fantasy to impart really important messages for young readers? Well, I think kids today are so much smarter than they were when I was a kid for sure. And I think if you start planting seeds of compassion and intellect and inclusion in them at a young age, they, they grow up without having to learn those lessons or, or without having to take, you know, those, those unfortunate looks in the mirror later on in life. And uh, when I sat down to write the series, the world was just in a very different place than it was when I wrote my initial series, The, the Land of Stories, The Wishing Spell. And so I just, I just felt like it was my duty to try to get the world back on track and try to install some compassion in, in a new generation to you know, counteract the lack of compassion in you know, their, their previous generations. So in A Tale of Magic, the first book in the series, I made magic an allegory for acceptance and oppression. Uh, in the second book, A Tale of Witchcraft, the, the story is an allegory for mental health. And hopefully I, g- I give some kiddos some, some tools to help them navigate their way through anxiety and depression. 
and in a tale of sorcery, um, it's it's less of an allegory. It's more it's more blatant, but uh, it's really a story about the you know the war against um, science and you know this unfortunate thing that we're seeing now, where it's you know people are valuing their pride over over facts. And I yeah, and I, hopefully it, hopefully it just it just inspires kids to look at the facts and and hopefully gives them the tools to differentiate their pride from from the fact and and uh, it inspires them to value the truth and look for the real answers out there. And I would imagine as an artistic endeavor, it must have been cathartic for you to have this outlet to put something more positive out into the world. Oh, very therapeutic. Yes. I mean, because I, I I couldn't do anything else. I mean, I I could vote, I could tweet opinions, I could, you know, I, I could get into arguments with, with with relatives. But at the end of the day, my my book series and, and the world within them is the only thing I actually have control over. So it was the only weapon in my arsenal, but um, I, I really, really just for my own sanity, I had to use it. You know, you're one of those rare people who has been wildly successful in many different arenas. So to well, that end, <laughs> oh, it's, it's just true. So what does your future hold? I mean, might we see a return to acting or more performing or perhaps directing or writing for adults? Oh, uh, well, I, I certainly hope the answer is yes to to all of it. You know, the uh, the entertainment industry is it's a godless industry. <laughs> oh, boy. Just when you think you have figured it, you you know you you figured it out, and you you think you you know you've done A and B to get to C. You know uh, they they you know, they they change the the alphabet on you. <laughs> so I'm really fortunate that I that I am able to to write books in, you know in, in between projects here and there. But I think writing really is probably my my biggest calling. I I would say personally because I I just there are stories in, within me that I just I feel like I have to get out for my for my own sanity. Okay, we've talked about your future. Let's shift gears and talk about your past, specifically your time growing up here in the Central Valley in mm-hmm. Clovis and performing with good company players. How did those experiences prepare you for the career that you've had? Oh my gosh. You know, I have to say, I think the good company players uh, really gave me the tools I needed. And I didn't know I needed them when I was a kid, but I certainly was grateful that, that when, I, when I went into Glee, which was my which was my my first job in the inter- entertainment industry professionally, the good company players really raised me and, and taught me the tools I needed to, and the discipline that I needed to succeed. And it's funny, I, I remember when I was a kid, I, I remember everyone always saying that the you know the junior company was one of the best training programs in the world for people that wanted to go into the entertainment industry. And I was always you know I, I was always very curious about why that was, and then. Two years later, when I was on my first film set, I was like, oh, well, th- this is why. <laughs> That's really remarkable. And then, and of course, you are, you know, one of a pretty astounding group of alumni who've gone on to achieve great things in, in the entertainment industry from good company players. Yeah, there's, there's, some, there's some good company among the good company players. <laughs> very, very well put. <laughs> so you've stayed connected uh, to the uh, company and have an event coming up this weekend benefiting them. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what folks can expect on Sunday? Yeah, so this Sunday, it's it's a celebration and a benefit for the good company players and all the, the wonderful work they do putting on productions for people in the Central Valley. And really, I, I can say because I've, I've lived a lot of places since since growing up in the Central Valley. And it is it, it is almost impossible for, for people to keep a theater company open and running in Los Angeles and San Francisco and, and, and New York City. The fact that the that, you know, Dan and Lori Pisano have managed to keep the good company players 
going for, for as long as they have. And the fact that it's as beloved as, as it is, I think is just incredibly remarkable. And all the kids that they have helped train and the safe spaces they've given so many local artists to expand and grow their talents is it really is is remarkable. And I, I just I couldn't be more thrilled to be coming back and to, to be part of the, the show on Sunday. So I know you've been promoting this on your Twitter account, but just for folks that are listening who want to attend or watch the live stream, they can find all that information um, on the Good Company Players website or by calling the box office. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. GCplayers.com or uh, they can call the box office at 559-266-9494. It's hilarious that that number is still ingrained in me after all these years. (laughs) That's that's fantastic. (laughs) Right. Um, Or if they uh, can't attend the performance, they can watch the live stream and they can find that link on my Instagram bio or uh, at my Twitter or um, on the Good Company Player website as well. Well, I've been talking with the best-selling author and actor, Chris Colfer. Chris, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much. I so appreciate you having uh, having me on. Thank you.